Welcome to the last conversation of 2022. And although we may not know what the future holds, Dr. Robert Morgan helps to demystify end time events and the book of Revelation through his comprehensive yet easy to understand book, The 50 Final Events in World History, The Bible's Last Words on Earth's Final Days. Dr. Robert J. Morgan is a veteran pastor. He's a best-selling author of 35 books with 5 million copies in print, and he's the loving homemaker and caregiver for his late wife of 43 years, Katrina. So lean in for this insightful conversation on what's to come. Hey friends, welcome to the Make Life Matter podcast. I'm Angela Donatio, and each week I share compelling conversations with leading voices. They encourage us to ground our worth in the word instead of the narrative of the world. Together we'll make our lives matter no matter what. Here's this week's episode. Welcome back, guys, to the Make Life Matter podcast. And I'm always excited about my guests, but I am just exceptionally excited today and honored to sit down with one of my heroes of the faith, Dr. Robert Morgan. And we've been chatting and you're already just going to love him. Not only do you probably know him with his books and his wide ministry, but now he's going to really help us to move from confusion and the mystery that sometimes surrounds the book of revelation for us to really understand what God's heart is through this book. So welcome, Dr. Morgan. I'm so honored to have you here today. Oh, thank you, Angela. I've been looking forward to it. Me too. We were just chatting a little bit. And sadly, recently in November of 2019, you lost your beloved bride, Katrina, and you just shared a story because I know from being in the ministry my whole life, Dr. Morgan, that ministry is a marathon. It is not a sprint. And and the legacy that she has brought to both of your lives and kingdom purpose, it's really not calculable. So I wanted to just start by honoring her. And you've just shared a story with me that was so, so meaningful. I wondered if you might just, you know, share that for our listeners as we start our conversation today. Uh, certainly. My wife, Katrina, we were married for 43 years. She developed multiple sclerosis about halfway through that time. In the last mm. few years, she was, um, um, you know, pretty handicapped or uh, challenged, but she just uh, kept on going. But as you know, in 2005, the hurricane that just devastated New Orleans and other places was named Katrina. We always kidded Katrina that was named after her. But there was a lady, uh, and I didn't know this until a couple of years ago, actually after Katrina passed away, but there was a lady in New Orleans who grew roses, and uh, I used to grow a lot of roses, but her garden was 450 bushes, mm. uh, all kinds of roses. She was a, a rosarian uh, known across the country, and uh, her name was Peggy Martin, and this uh, Katrina wiped out her rose garden, uh, every one of them. It was under 20 feet of water for a week or two, uh, contaminated water, uh, and everything was destroyed, except there was one bush that came back. This particular bush, uh, rose bush, was an old garden rose that didn't have a name. Uh, she'd had experts trying to identify it, but uh, they had been unable to. It was so old and, and rare. Uh, well, this rose bush... Uh, flourished it mm. it came back after the after the flood and after the hurricane it was the only one that did uh 
Mm. And so the experts all came. They studied it. They officially named it for this woman, Peggy Martin. But it became known everywhere as the Katrina Rose. Mm. In fact, you can Google Katrina Rose and you can read all about it. So they took it and uh, made cuttings. And um, if you try hard enough, you can get a cutting from that rose from, you know, a few companies, a few nurseries. So, um, Angela, I just last week planted uh, the Katrina rose in my garden. And I said, Lord, uh, Katrina was like this rose. She flourished even amid adversity. Uh, So help me to do the same. Mm. And um, so if you uh, if you come to visit me in Nashville, uh, I'll show you the Katrina rose. Mm. Um, And, you know, my wife, Katrina, said uh, when we kidded her about the hurricane, she said, my name was never so called in prayers during that hurricane. (laughs) (laughs) That's very true. Oh, I just think that story is so beautiful. And, you know, I just appreciate you sharing that with us because so many people experience loss over the last few years. But to just see the way you're honoring her and what a beautiful, there's just so many, that's, that's an only God story. You know what I mean? There's so many things about that story that are just only God uh, orchestrated those details. And I just, I just thank you for that. And and thank you for everything you've done for the kingdom. It's just been extraordinary and um, the longevity and just the consistency that you've had in ministry. It does not go unnoticed by those of us uh, that are writers, that are authors, that are pastors and leaders. We're so grateful. And so this new book you have, it, it has just been revolutionary for me and my husband. We're both pastors. We've loved reading it. He stole it from me. I said, I need that back. I've got to finish reading it for my interview. But I want to talk about revelation. And I think right off the bat, Dr. Morgan, we say that and some people immediately reach for the duct tape on their head because they just either don't understand it or it's confusing or, you know, we just think it's not readable, but you share that your goal is to demystify the book of revelation for us. And you believe the key to understanding revelation is a simple sequence of events, one after another clearly laid out in these 50 final events in world history. So just right there, I'm, it's so intriguing. So how did you come up with 50 events? Well, you're, you're absolutely right about the way that we should approach the book of revelation. Uh, It is the final book of the Bible. All of the other 65 books of the Bible lead to revelation. It is the consummating book Mm. Um, it's the way that God chose to finish his word and it isn't called obscurity or confusion. It's called revelation. So we should approach it thinking God wants me to know this material. He wants me to know what he's about to do in the future. Mm. And the simplest way of reading revelation, um, is to read it as a series of consecutive events that are going to take place prior to, during, and after the Lord's return, Uh, Mm -hmm. beginning with chapter four. Now, chapters one, two, and three are sort of introductory to the book. But beginning with chapter four through verse 22, all of those things are yet to come. And so Mm -hmm. I just went through and listed them one after the other. I mean, it says after this, after this, after this, all the way through. So Uh, I'm convinced that what we have is a series of 50 consecutive events that is about to take place in the future. These events are 
And um, and if we just take it that way, the book becomes very understandable. It 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 isn't meant to frighten us. It is meant to encourage us. Mm. Um, someone said to me, "Isn't the book of Revelation dark and difficult?" And I said, "You know, it is full of worship. It is full of praise. It is mm. full of hallelujahs. It is full of glorious hope. It is full of judgment against the evil that is tormenting our world. And it is full of Jesus." Mm. And so that's the way that I approach this wonderful book. Mm, it's so it's so insightful. It's so rich. And you mentioned, Dr. Morgan, that it's, you know, number one, you're not trying to say, you know, when these are going to take place, but you do believe and it's it's well, you know, uh, written about in the book that once these start, then we're in that, you know, it could be 30 events happening in a week. So describe what you kind of envision as this timeline. And I, and I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to pigeonhole you into giving us a time frame, But what I mean by that is these happen in sequential order. And so once it begins, we're on the timeline then. Absolutely. So help us understand that just a little bit better. Cause that can be confusing for some people. Well, the timeline for it is seven years. These events will unfold over a period of seven years. We know that from Daniel chapter 9 and verse 27, but also from the book itself. Uh, It very clearly says that things will happen over a three and a half year or 42 month period. And then another set of things will happen over a period of three and a half years uh, or 42 months. So once these things begin, then they will unfold over a period of seven years. Now, when will they begin? And that is what we cannot say definitively. Mm -hmm. Uh, The Bible tells us not to set dates. We cannot know the exact time when these things will happen from Scripture. But here's the thing, Angela. I think we can get a pretty good idea from looking at world events right now. Because uh, all of this is going to take place within the context of the rise of a one world power. Uh, There's going to be a dictator or some kind of leader who at first appears to be um, extremely gifted, uh, and he is going to seek to take control of of the world in a time of crisis. So there is a globalism involved with this. Well, we see all of the signs of this right now, even during covid there were there were talks about having a global response, someone who uh, some authority, uh, an organization or, a, or a, a political leader who would have authority, Tony Blair and others and the whole, um, you know, globalist elite were mm-hmm. arguing for something like this. So just imagine that uh, Vladimir Putin uh, used nuclear weapons and that caused a chain reaction which could happen very easily. So the whole world is engulfed in nuclear war. Or just imagine that there is a, a worldwide financial collapse um, and an economic Armageddon, which could very easily happen. Or imagine that the world's internet went down, uh, maybe solar flares or maybe terrorism. Uh, or imagine another pandemic that had a much higher mortality rate than even COVID. All of those things are very plausible right now. They have never been before. But we are at a point now where any one particular event could lead to global catastrophe, which would uh, mean that there would be someone who would come 
and try to take control, we would have a global response uh, leading to this kind of ruler who would eventually become the Antichrist. This is all now plausible. Mm -hmm. So once this catastrophe, and it could be the rapture of the church, but once these things begin to happen, then they will unfold over a seven-year period described in Revelation 4 through 19, and Jesus comes again in chapter 19 of Revelation. Mm. I mean, you spell it out so clearly. And like you just said, maybe pre-COVID people, you know, could push this off. Well, maybe one day this or that. And and that just quickly showed us how rapidly things can change <laughs> and how rapidly one event can be a domino effect to others. So I couldn't agree more with you. We saw dramatic shifts in not only our culture, but even church and constructs and every single area was affected. Everything from politics to education to, you know, every institutional uh, construct. So now we could see where this is much more plausible, as you're saying, than it than it used to be. Um, and, and doesn't take a lot, takes maybe one or two things to get this going, but we don't need to feel scared by that. Your encouragement is we need to feel encouraged by this. We need to, and and, and you pointed to the hope of what is coming. So help us know how to frame. One of the things I want to ask you is you are, you know, help us to know if you believe we should take this book of revelation literally or symbolically, because that's a cause of, of great consternation, consternation among people like, you know, and poor John is, is here on the Isle of Patmos and he's not understanding what a nuclear bomb might look like, or, you know, helicopters flying in or, you know, the internet or something that we're now so commonplace for us. He's describing things that he's never seen before. So give us some context of what these really are to be taken as literally or symbolically and how you believe John met them when he was writing this. When we look at the Bible, we look at it the way we would any other book in this sense that we interpret things according to the normal natural laws of human interpretation. So if I'm reading a mathematical book and it says two plus two equals four, then, you know, that is a mathematical truth. And I accept that if I'm reading a book of poetry and it uh, talks about the uh, the, the trees uh, all singing together and in unison, then I understand that that's symbolic. When I begin reading through the Bible, then I do the same thing. Anything that would normally be taken literally, you take it literally. If it's obviously symbolic, then you take it symbolically. Uh, when it says, uh, uh, when Jesus said, rivers of living water will flow from within you. Uh, well, that's symbolic. And he tells us in John 7, that by this, he meant the Holy Spirit. So my rule, and I think this is a, a good rule, is if anything can be taken literally within a passage, then take it literally. Mm. But if it's if it doesn't make sense to take it literally, then see uh, what the text says about uh, the symbolism of it. And when you see symbols in the book of Revelation, they are usually identified for you and explain. For example, it says that the uh, somebody had uh, white clothes, fine linen, and they then then the then John said this uh, is symbolic for the righteous deeds of those people. It says Jesus was walking among the golden candlestands. 
But he says those golden candlestands represented the individual churches. In chapters 12 and 13, we have this dragon who appears. Uh, but John says this stands for that old serpent, the devil. So I take it literally, unless it obviously is symbolic. And when it's symbolic, I look around and usually it's interpreted for us. Mm. So it's... Uh, I think there's not a special way of reading Revelation that is different from the other 65 books of the Bible. We just read it and we say, is this literal? Does it make sense literally? And if it does, then I take it literally. The city, mm-hmm. New Jerusalem with the golden streets um, and the, the throne in the middle and the, the uh, river running through it. Uh, mm-hmm. There's no reason not to take that literally. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it is presented. It's a literal city. Uh, but there are things in the book of Revelation that, that are symbolic. And so uh, we look around and, and interpret them according to the laws of Bible study and the laws really of human language that we would apply to any other book. Yeah, that's so helpful to even just understand what genre each book of the Bible is. And are you reading a letter? Are you reading a poem? Uh, sometimes we just, you know, we have to just have our starting places before we can even understand what we're reading. That's so helpful. I want to talk about a couple of the, you know, key factors, maybe even a a little bit more of the darker elements. And then I want to move to the blessing and the focal point that Christ is in the book of Revelation. But when I studied Revelation a few years ago, I was writing for Proverbs 31 ministries at the time, and we did a Revelation study online for women. And I was so struck, Dr. Morgan, by a couple of key things that were repeated. Like you said, after this, after this, after this, well, I noticed how many times it it would say, and this happens, and then they still did not repent. And this happened, and they still did not repent. So I, I was struck by, you would think, let's just say, take something like COVID. Oh, something like that is going to cause people to be humbled, and they're going to fall on their knees, and they're going to ask for Christ. And it does happen in some cases. But what you saw in a lot of instances, sadly, was even more of a hardening of hearts. And that is coupled with this theme of deception, maybe what I would call, and and I would love to hear your thoughts on like the leading character uh, besides, of course, Jesus Christ, but this leading theme of deception that runs all the way through the book of, of Revelation. So talk a little bit about that relationship of deception and this lack of repentance. Even as these events are unfolding, you don't see the response sadly being, you know, a, a, a move toward repentance, like we would hope. Am I wrong in that? Or what is your thoughts? Cause I would really love to hear your thoughts on that. There will be uh, a great deal of repentance and conversion, especially during the first half of the tribulation. Mm. But you're right. Uh, that generally the world will resist. So what we have during those seven years uh, let's say the rapture of the church occurs or or this catastrophe occurs, and there are various judgments during these seven years that God um, um, exposes the world to in order to there's two reasons now there there are twenty one key judgments, and they are designated as the breaking of seven seals of a scroll and seven trumpets that are blown and seven bowls of wrath are to poured out. The first two happen during the first three and a half years of the tribulation. And the last bowls of wrath, that's during the last half of the tribulation. And those replicate very much the plagues of Egypt. 
Um, but during these seven years, God is judging evil. He is judging people like um, Putin and President Xi Jinping and the sex traffickers and the people that's bringing all of this fentanyl uh, and rainbow-colored pills into our uh, nation and killing our young people and and those who are engaged in child pornography and all of the other vile things that we can hardly even imagine. Mm. God is going to judge all of that. Now, during this period of judgment, there will be a lot of people who come to the Lord. We're told that God is going to commission 144,000 Jewish evangelists, and they're going to go out. Uh, He's going to commission two special witnesses in downtown Jerusalem. Um, And so in the early days, we see a lot of people coming to the Lord during this tribulation period, and they are martyred. Many of them are hunted down and persecuted and killed. Mm. But it will it'll be the greatest harvest of uh, of people coming to salvation the world has ever seen. But as we go through the book of Revelation, that seems to decrease. And finally, there is this remnant of ungodly people who just resent, they rebel, they will not repent. Mm. Um, and no matter what God does, they just become hardened in sin until they surround the nation of Israel and the city of Jerusalem with an intent to destroy that city to prevent Christ from coming again. Mm. So uh, in the early days of the tribulation, I think there'll be a lot of people coming to the Lord. A lot will not be. But as time goes by, the world becomes just the evil becomes baked in Mm. and becomes deeper and deeper leading to the uh, apocalyptic events of the very end of the tribulation period. Mm, I appreciate that helpful understanding for us. You you mentioned a little bit about uh, a couple of times without even using the word antichrist, but this leader, this global leader, this person who assumes to be a person of peace, help us understand what you believe the antichrist will be like and what part he's going to play in these last days. He is mentioned throughout the Bible, beginning with Genesis 3.15, and then in Genesis with the character of Nimrod. Um, Paul talks about him as being a man of lawlessness. Mm. Um, And um, Revelation chapter um, 6 with the uh, 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 5 and 6 with the breaking uh, of the seven seals, uh, he emerges as a hero who's going to, he's riding a white horse bent on conquest, who's going to take control of the chaos and the catastrophe of the world. Um, but uh, and, and he'll appear to be very popular and very competent. Uh, but by chapters 12 and 13, um, he has become inflamed with the power of Satan. Mm. And at that point, he is described as a man of lawlessness with a vile, mouth, blaspheming God, uh, hating the gospel, despising uh, the people who are coming to Christ and seeking to destroy them, dominating the world economically, uh, oppressing the world with surveillance the way we see actually happening right now in communist China, Mm -hmm. uh, and eventually leading the armies of the world uh, against Israel and against the Lord Jesus Christ when he comes. So he will appear at first to be a charismatic, popular politician bent on saving the world. But in the end, he's going to be uh, the epitome of evil. 
and the last great world dictator. Mm, the last great world dictator. That's a great way to describe what this is going to move toward. So let's flip and and we've talked about some of these darker elements that that we know are going to unfold that and it's really not even dark what we're what we're saying is god is his judgment and his justice will prevail and that's something that all of us as as christ followers we long for uh, the redemption of all mankind we long for this you know eternity with him and and the promise of these things the hope that we have which is still the pervasive theme and you mentioned that we cannot deal adequately with world events or person crisis unless we increasingly see things from Christ's perspective so we've we've mentioned a bit talked a little bit about the antichrist and this last global dictator but talk with us Dr. Morgan about how we can see Christ's perspective in the events of revelation Well, there's a couple of ways. First of all, when you read Revelation, if you look carefully, you notice that the scene uh, keeps changing from earth to heaven. Mm. So um, I I describe it as a football game when you have the play-by-play announcer telling you what's happening on the field, but then you have the color coordinator or the the analyst, uh, the color commentator telling you what, you know, what, what is really happening from his perspective up high in the booth. So um, so all the way through the book of Revelation, you have some disaster befalling the world, but then you're caught up to heaven and you see they're rejoicing. Well, why are they rejoicing? Well, they're rejoicing because evil is finally being dealt with. The way is being paid for Christ's return and people mm. are being saved in the process. Yes. Um, but then we get to chapter 19. Now, let me give you the, the very simple outline of Revelation. Book uh, chapter one is introductory. Chapter two and three are messages to the seven original churches who were the recipients of this book. Chapters four through 18 describe the tribulation. Jesus comes in chapter 19. Mm. He returns. He returns with the armies of heaven following him. He returns to put an end to all of this tribulation. He sets up his kingdom on earth in chapter 20. And then in chapters 21 and 22, the heavens and the earth disappear and are recreated, and we are in eternity. We have the new heavens. We have the new earth. We have the great city of Jerusalem there. We see the Lord. We are with him. We're with our loved ones. We're living with the angels. The spiritual and the physical have been combined, and we have a travel guide of our eternal home. And the whole Bible moves towards that. That's the way the Bible ends Mm. with this climactic, visual, wonderful description of our heavenly home. I keep going back to those chapters over and over and over again, and they uh, give me tremendous hope. So I say that all 65 books of the Bible lead to Revelation, and all 22 chapters of Revelation lead to heaven. Mm. And that's a, a, you know, it's hard to be a pessimist. (laughs) Um, when you live very long in Revelation 21 Mm. and 22, you know what you can anticipate, you know, what's ahead of you. Yes. Wow. When we know what's ahead of us, that is, that is just so the promise of that. It really is a, a hopeful book and, and centers around, it is the revelation of Christ. It's a revelation of, of Jesus Christ to John. So, uh, you mentioned you touched on something that this entire Bible comes to the, to the close of this description of heaven. And uh, I, I want to ask you kind of before we wrap up, you mentioned, you know, all uh, 
all the books of the Bible are leading up to this final book, but it's the only book that begins and ends with a blessing. You talk about that in your book. So why do you think Revelation is the only book in the Bible with a specific blessing for those who read it and who heed it, obey it? Yes, in chapter one and in chapter 22, it says, blessed are those who read this book hmm. and uh, and who do the things that are said in it. Um, well, I think that by saying that at the end of the Bible, it is in one sense applying that promise to all of the Bible. Um, we get to the end of the Bible and we see a verse that says, blessed are those who listen and hear this book. And so I think that reading and studying all of the Bible is a particular blessing. But I think that maybe with Revelation, we need an extra incentive because, Mm -hmm. you know, Angela, if you're in a, a, I I taught yesterday at, at a college and I taught a freshman class and I taught a sophomore class or a junior class rather. And I could tell that the uh, curriculum for the juniors was more deeper, more difficult. Uh, When you go through a college curriculum, then you go from freshman to senior to graduate school, and the curriculum becomes a little bit more challenging. Well, the New Testament is God's curriculum for Christians. Mm -hmm. It begins very simply, simple with the Gospels. Then we begin with Romans, uh, with the epistles, and we go up, and the books become deeper, the general epistles, are a little bit harder. You get to Hebrews, you have to study a little bit more. Mm -hmm. And then you get to Revelation, and that's like the graduate course. And and it is, for many of us, it takes time to absorb Revelation. I've been studying it for half a century. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, and so we need some extra encouragement, uh, I think. And so the Lord says, now I'll tell you, if you will study this book, then mm-hmm. I will bless you in a special way exceedingly. Wow. And I think that's true not only for us as individuals, but for pastors who will preach from Revelation um, and for Bible study groups who will study it. And that's why I hope that my book, The 50 Final Events in World History, will encourage groups to study together this marvelous last book of the Bible. Oh, I agree. We're going to be using it for 2023 at the church. And uh, it's just been, it's, it's such a great resource. We don't have to feel afraid. We don't have to feel confused. We don't have to feel, uh, you know, scared, you know, to even study it or just avoid it because we don't understand it. We're just going to leave it to people with charts, you know, and somehow the average Christian just can't understand it. If you want to know, number one, the times we're living in, and and how and just to know the hope to which we've been called to understand how things are going to take place this this last days are we in them right now is it next week we don't know i mean i'm sure the question that's burning on everybody's mind dr morgan is how close are we you know to the return of christ how close are we to this starting and and i'm not going to pin you down but this has been something you have studied your entire life and you've seen the course of world history. I'm sure during World War One, people thought, "Oh, this is it," or World War Two. Uh, now with COVID, so can you help us to point to where do you think we are, and and wh- and what should our posture be, as this being the generation in which God has called us to live? 
Well, I do believe the Lord wants us to live every day as though Jesus may come right now for his church. Mm. Uh, live with a sense of constant anticipation. Uh, we're told to pray, Maranatha, even so come Lord Jesus. When I see a beautiful sunrise, um, uh, it just, there is something about that that makes me say, Lord, come today, come right now, even so come Lord Jesus. Um, I'm looking at, at world conditions right now. And, you know, I noticed last week that NASA sent a, um, a, a special mission to an asteroid seeing if they could break it up, uh, because, uh, there is fear among astronomers that an asteroid could wipe out human life. When you Google end of the world, you don't find necessarily sermons from preachers. You find articles from scientists, mm. um, from statesmen. People are, um, aware of the fact there are people who, 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 who can hardly sleep at night because they're aware of, of what a germ could do if it were to get out of a lab. They're aware of what an asteroid would do if it hit the earth. They're aware of what would happen if a chain reaction occurred among, uh, nuclear material. Uh, they're aware of, of so many uncertainties in our world right now. Hmm. Um, and, um, and, and I just watch all of that. Uh, I don't watch it with fear. I watch it with great interest. I feel like that we are living on the precipice of prophecy, wow. uh, that we may be the last generation. And if so, I just want to be excited. I want to be faithful. Uh, I don't want to be martyred, but if I am, may it be for Christ. Mm. Um, and, and may people be saved because of it. Uh, when I look at what is happening right now in China since, uh, 2018, when Xi Jinping cracked down on the church, they follow everyone with mm-hmm. hundreds of millions of facial recognition cameras. They know where everyone is. They have the technology to know what is on your phone, who you are listening to, where you are going. It's very difficult to meet in the underground church now because uh, there is a, it is a total surveillance society with no personal privacy. Mm-hmm. Um, I can that is a, that is the book of Revelation. Yeah. I mean, that is apocalyptic. So I see all of these things happening and it makes me think we, this world cannot go on very much longer mm. the way that it is. Wow. And as, and as Christians, that should, that should motivate us to share the gospel with those that are lost and it should excite us and uh, give us such a sense of hope that no matter what you're going through, no matter how difficult your circumstances are, this is not all there is. This world is going to end. And the Bible clearly tells us, you know, Jesus said in this world, you're going to have trouble, but don't fear because I've already overcome the world. He loves us. He has a plan for us and he has a plan for his return. And uh, I I would love to be in your brain, (laughs) Dr. Morgan, because I'm sure as you read something, a news article, or you see something, you immediately, because of your vast knowledge of what you've studied, you immediately know how to, to, to assimilate and systemize that information and where that means. And so I'm so grateful that you've given us this accessible manual really to revelation in this book, the 50 last days, the final events uh, in world history. And it's available guys get this book. We're going to be going through it next year. The 50 final events in world history, the Bible's last words on earth's final days, whether it's another seven years we're here or another 70 Jesus is coming. 
Jesus is coming. Uh, temporary is fading and Jesus is coming and we need to be ready. So uh, thank you, Dr. Morgan. I want to ask you one last question, then you're going to pray for us. But before I ask that, how do you want people to connect with you, your ministry of many, many books? This is just one of them. And uh, to purchase the books, how would you like me to direct them? I can put that in our show notes. Well, anywhere that people buy books, it's available, um, whether it's online, uh, any of the booksellers. Uh, we also have a website, robertjmorgan.com, and all of my books and materials are there. We also have a video course on the 50 final events in world history. And then on my uh, social media, Angela, every day I teach through a book in the Bible in 59 second segments. Mm. I'm just finishing the book of Isaiah uh, on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Um, it's helpful for family devotions. Uh, I'm literally teaching through books of the Bible in 59 second segments. So uh, all of that is available on my website or my social media platforms. Wow. I'm going to be interested in looking at that myself. I'm, I'm very familiar with your works, but I, I have not seen your 59 second stories. So that's going to be, uh, again, you're making the Bible accessible. I'm, I believe so firmly that we have to ground our worth in the word and not the narrative of the world. We talk about that over and over here on the make life matter podcast. And so we have to know the Bible in order to do that. And we have to read the Bible in order to know it. And the enemy wants us to feel intimidated. He wants us to feel like the Bible is not able to be understood. Um, he lies to us about it. So that's why I want to bring voices like Dr. Morgan to the podcast, because guys, we have to engage with the Bible. We have to know what the Bible says. We have to apply the Bible to our own lives then and let it shape our worldview rather than what the world is trying to do. There are so many worldviews that are anti-biblical. So please, I encourage you in 2023, dig into the word of God, know what the Bible says for yourself and, uh, and, and look with hope and anticipation of what is to come. And so Dr. Morgan, I like to ask everyone this last question, uh, other than Jesus, who is the person in the Bible who has most inspired you to make life matter? Well, I've been studying recently, uh, John, the apostle who wrote the book of revelation, uh, I've been going through the book of first John and Angela, this is very interesting. And John's gospel, chapter 18, when Jesus was arrested, John knew the high priest in Jerusalem and his family and his household. And he went in to the high priest house along with Jesus. And he even went back and took Peter too. And why would a fisherman in Galilee have access to the high priest's house like that and know everyone? Well, the fishing business on the Sea of Galilee was much bigger than we think. James and John and the sons of Zebedee and Peter and Andrew. This was a huge commercial enterprise that provided dried and pickled fish all across the Middle East. Hmm. And John would have been about 20 years old. And I think, this is my theory, he was the sales representative in Jerusalem for the fishing enterprise out of Galilee. Hmm. And he had access, he must have been, had a wonderful personality, must have been very entrepreneurial, must have been a good salesman, uh, must have been very friendly, but even the high priest of Israel knew him. And it must have been, there's only one reason that I can think of, that he was down in Jerusalem selling 
selling fish and, and representing because that was a real delicacy. People wanted that, mm. uh, the Galilean fish. Uh, and so this 20-year-old entrepreneur uh, was the one who ended up being uh, the the longest living uh, and the final disciple mm. of Christ, uh, who in his old age wrote the book of Revelation. And his lifelong faithfulness uh, and his love for Jesus um, uh, just came to dominate everything in his life. And he gave us the Gospel of John, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, and this book of Revelation. Wow, I had not heard that story. I've been to Israel a few times. I'll be going back in the spring. And so now I'm going to have a new appreciation. And that's a whole other conversation for another day. We've been discussing vocation. I'm actually in graduate school right now, uh, pursuing a master's in theology. And we were discussing vocation as a part of how God, you know, missiology and, mm-hmm. and how he wants us. To, and so you even brought that up, that God uses us where we are in the situation we're in, in the, you know, whatever country you're listening in, you have a role to play in God's kingdom and nothing is too small for him to use and just allow him to use you where you've been positioned and know that, you know, David said, when I fulfilled what God called me to do in my generation, then he died. So would, would it be said of us that we will fulfill what God calls us to do in our generation? This is the generation in which we have been born we have been called to serve and to love, and uh, God is going to use you in mighty ways. Whoever you are, wherever you're listening from, let that be encouraging. If, if, if God can choose John and place him in a position to where we're reading his works today, we're reading his Holy Spirit-inspired words that, that give us hope of what's to come, then God can use you and God has a plan for your life. So thank you, Dr. Morgan. I am I could listen and talk to you for hours, but I'm going to be respectful of your time, <laughs> but please guys, so many different ways you can connect with him on social media. You can go to his website. I'll have that here in the show notes. You can just click on it right there where you're listening. And uh, the book that we've been discussing today is the final 50 events in world history, the Bible's last words on earth's final days. And uh, Dr. Morgan, if I get to Nashville, I'm going to come by and see your beautiful Katrina Rose. But if I, I would love that, if I don't meet you on this side of heaven, one day we're going to be in that city that we're talking about and, and all tears are wiped away. Everything is made new. And no matter the difficulty, the adversity that any of us are facing, if you're listening today, know that you have a hope to which you have been called a glorious hope. And that is what Jesus Christ has done for us. So Dr. Morgan, thank you so much for your voice and our generation. And I would love for you to pray over our listeners as we close. I certainly will. Our heavenly father, you know, everyone who is listening And we know that in the future, there's coming a great tribulation. But Jesus said that in this world, we will all have trouble and tribulation. And if someone today is facing some difficulty, encourage them. And may they look up, may they find the face of Jesus, and may they find a verse of scripture that will encourage them. And Lord, may we be faithful until you come. And we pray, Maranatha, even so come Lord Jesus is our prayer in his name. Amen. Thanks for joining the conversation. If you've been inspired to make life matter, share a review and subscribe at cpnshows.com or anywhere you listen to podcasts so you don't miss an episode. Connect with me at angeladenadio.com 
Facebook at Angela Donatio VOV, and Instagram at Angela Donatio. Until next week, let's make life matter.